And there's still times, like once a year or so, when insurance company gives me a hard time and they make it hard for me to get. And I'm like, guys, I've been on this drug 23 years. It's no different, right? That was Emily Schaller. She's a cystic fibrosis patient, advocate, founder of the Rock CF Foundation, and she's our guest on today's AFPA Patient Access Podcast. I'm Ryan Gooch. Emily, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. So uh, I just want to jump right in. Yep. Can you tell our listeners what a daily routine looks like for you in terms of medications and treatments? Uh, totally, yeah. So CF obviously affects your lungs and it uh, can clog the airways with this thick and sticky mucus. So every morning I'll wake up and running is actually a good form of airway clearance to move that mucus out. But I also, after that, We'll do an inhaled uh, treatment called Pulmazyme that thins the mucus in my lungs. Then I'll inhale hypertonic saline, which helps uh, um, liquefy the airway so the mucus can move out. And these two inhaled treatments take about 25 minutes. And then I also wear something called a vest, which um, now I have one that's battery battery operated, so I'm not plugged into the wall. And what it does is it helps break up the mucus in my lungs. So I wear that for about 30 minutes every morning. Um, and then I'll do another, depending on the month, another um, treatment in the evening. And if I'm on inhaled antibiotics, then I'll do those two times a day for another four to 20 minutes, depending what the treatment is. And then take a host of digestive enzymes to help digest the food that I eat because we have issues with that mucus in our pancreas. Um, and then there's a few other medications that we do. And this is just to stay healthy, right? This is every day. This isn't like when you're sick. When you do get sick, then it's uh, time in the hospital with uh, IV antibiotics. So can you talk a little bit, Emily, about the challenges of getting access to medications over the course of your life? I mean, you, you're on a number of medications and a number of different treatments, um, and those change as, as, as you get older. Um, but how, uh, how, how has it been getting access to the medications you need? We're lucky that with CF, the treatments are so specific for CF, right? there funded by the CF Foundation or other organizations, and they're targeted for CF symptoms, right? And now treating the underlying cause, which is great. Um, they're expensive, so sometimes there are issues with access and fighting with insurance companies. Uh, there's prior authorization issues, but it, it, it can become a headache because, you know, you say Pulmazyme, for example, is a drug I've been on since I was 13, so now 23 years. And there's still times like once a year or so when insurance company gives me a hard time and they make it hard for me to get. And I'm like, guys, I've been on this drug 23 years. It's no different, right? So I see that in the community as well with people having issues getting access because of the price of the drug or issues with the pharmacy. Um, and now we need specialty pharmacies to fill these drugs because they're so specific and expensive. So it can be a headache, you know, um, Sometimes you get in the groove and things are going good and then they'll throw a wrench, uh, insurance will throw a wrench at you and you got to try to figure it out. It'll be January in two months and I'm sure I'll be on the phone uh, frustrated with my pharmacy and insurance company making sure I can get that and not pay a $30,000 copay, right? So it takes some maneuvering, a uh, little bit of headache. So it's interesting because um, it's a weird this dichotomy where you have you know, these clinicians that know you and your case so well. And yet, um, you have these prior authorization hurdles. Um, so I've heard that that these prior authorizations, 
you know, pose a real challenge. So can you give me, can you give us an idea um, at the beginning of the year, what it will look like for, for a lot of CF patients getting access to, you know, or getting through these prior authorizations? I think um, beginning of the year is really when, you know, CF, it's so expensive, right? So I have a high deductible, but I'm going to meet that deductible in the first week of January because my drugs are so expensive. But when I go to order the drugs, I'll probably get calls from the pharmacy telling me I have a copay because there's going to be, there's an overlap in communication between pharmacies, insurance companies, and physicians, right? So I foresee a lot of us are going to get that phone call about needing a prior auth and then that could delay access to medication. And it's a medication we've been on, some of us, for decades. So it'll get frustrating. And I, on the other side, I hear from some of my friends who are CF uh, nurses in the clinic, they'll have a stack on their fax machine or a printer, just a stack of prior auths that they need uh, signed. And it's just for them, they're seeing patients, they're admitting them to the hospital, they're seeing them in clinic, they're doing all these other things. And then they have to get to these stacks of papers, which are prior auths for drugs that most of us have already been on, right? So it just doesn't make sense. It adds headaches to patients but it's also adding uh, headaches to the care team. Can you explain to us the consequence of abandoning or delaying yeah. treatment for even a couple weeks or something, or like oh. a very short period of time? Oh, yeah. I mean, these drugs, uh, enzymes specifically, if you miss a dose of enzymes, you'll notice immediately, right? So you have stomach cramping and lots of trips to the bathroom. Um, and other meds, I mean, everything else we inhale. I mean, if you're not doing an uh, oral or uh, inhaled antibiotic for two weeks, that could be a risk for developing a lung infection, which could result in weeks in the hospital, which will be hundreds of thousand dollars rather than just giving us medication that's $5,000, right? And then if you're on a modulator like Kaleidico or these other drugs that are very, very expensive and you're not getting those drugs, I mean... I've had an issue with, I've delayed uh, Kaleidico for a week or two because of some issues during the clinical trial and my health plummeted and my lung function went into the 40s and I was admitted to the hospital for IV antibiotics, which again adds up in cost. So uh, yeah, it really is. I mean, some drugs you can go a couple, few doses missing and you won't see too much, but that's not a good pattern to get into because uh, infections can really sneak up especially during cold and flu season. If you get a head cold, it could turn into pneumonia uh, in no time. So it's, it, that's the stuff that's the scary side of it, you know. There's the headache side, and then there's the actual real side of you could get sick and be in the hospital, and, uh, you know, it could, could not be pretty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's uh, switch gears slightly. So as I understand it, you're taking a relatively new class of drug that treats not just the symptoms of cystic fibrosis, but the underlying cause of the disease. Um, can you give us an idea of how life-changing this new class of drugs has been for you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm on the, I'm from Detroit, right? So we'll call it the Model T of these new modulators. And what it does is it goes in and makes the CFTR protein function, right? But this drug, it's not a cure. But what it's done for me personally is, and my friends on it has been just insane. So for the first year and a half on the drug, like alleviated symptoms. So I could take a deep breath and not cough. My energy levels through the roof. We have super salty skin with CF and that salty skin is like gone. Um, my sinus disease is like almost completely normal. My pulmonary function or my exacerbations 
um, I like once every one to two or three years. It's essentially like my worst day now was like my very, very best day before this drug. And it's allowed me to buy a house and go through the awesome uh, home ownership things with pipes bursting and uh, heating uh, systems breaking and shoveling snow and taking out the trash and decorating for Christmas. Like um, I'm planning on, <laughs> I've got a retirement fund, which is something even a week before taking this drug, I never thought I would need, right? So my life has completely changed. It's just something that I'm amazed by every day, like waking up and like, holy cow, this stuff is ridiculous. And it allows me to live just an awesome life and run further and faster and train harder. So I'd say life is pretty good thanks to these little drugs. So tell me, um, over the course of this year, uh, the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review um, did a did a review of of these drugs, and they basically said that they weren't worth the cost. <laughs> and so, as someone that you know, as as these have been life changing for you and your friends, yeah. how does what I mean? How, what's your reaction to that? Uh it's it's absurd. Um, and there's like a quality of life survey that goes along with <clears throat> a clinical trial, right? And they say a four point change in quality of life is astronomical. And I think with a drug like Kaleidico or Simdico or these other drugs, there was like a 20 or 24 point change in quality of life, which is pretty ridiculous and amazing. But it's not just that. It's like simply doing the math. I'm not in the hospital two times a year at over $100,000. And this drug is in the similar price range. So like longevity of this drug, like math wise is worth it especially if given to a younger person without lung disease or a child, they may never need the other drugs that cost $35,000 a month or the hospitalizations that are $100,000 several times a year, right? So duh, like the math is, if you think ahead, which a lot of us don't, but we should, that pays for it there. But then I don't know how they could put a price tag on the quality of my life. Like I'm paying taxes, I'm working full time, I'm speaking and traveling and paying into the economy. So I'm giving back as a human um, more so than I would be able to do beforehand. So uh, it's frustrating to see that because it, it just doesn't sound like they listen to the patient testimonies and actually talk to people whose lives were changed by this drug. So I'm not sure what, what the agenda is there, but um, we'll keep fighting to make sure people with CF have access to these drugs. Mm -hmm. So Emily, a big part of your life is, is your foundation work mm -hmm. at the Rock CF Foundation. So can you tell me about the genesis of that uh, foundation and uh, kind of where it's come from and what the future holds for Rock CF? Yeah. yeah, so uh, we are in our 11th year. So I think in my mid-20s, I decided, like, I'm going to give this a shot. I'd been speaking at local CF uh, foundation events and sharing my story um, at schools and doing a little fundraising here and there. But I thought, like, what if I put this all together and kind of did my own thing and really kind of went a different avenue from other foundations out there and so my main focus was heightening awareness about CF because only 30,000 people have it but one in 30-ish people carry the, the gene for it right the, the CF gene so I thought like we started with rock and roll concerts because I was playing in a band at the time my brother was in a band we're doing concerts to raise awareness about CF and raise funds um, and as kind of my lifestyle became healthier and I started running and biking instead of playing drums in smoky bars, uh, we kind of shifted the focus of the foundation to a more active um, 
like an active energy, right? So now we, one of our big programs is Kicks Back, where we donate running shoes to people with CF to get them either up and moving off the couch, kind of like me. I needed that kick in the butt or to either run their first mile or give some of my friends are marathoners and they need several pairs of shoes a year. So we keep them supplied with the shoes because it's a form of treatment. So we've had like over 600, probably almost 650 pairs of shoes that we've donated in just a few years with that program. And then we had this line of merchandise where we sell all over the world, like Lebanon and Israel and South Africa. Like our merchandise goes everywhere and it's really creating awareness about CF. Um, you see it on social media and you see people wearing it at the airport and you're like, you're wearing my shirt. This is crazy, right? But it's all about creating awareness. And in turn, it gives them these people who may not be connected to a cause, a chance to really champion for a cause like CF. We typically end each podcast with a lightning round of questions. So you, oh, have, no. uh, you have 20 seconds or like one sentence to answer <laughs> each of these. Uh, so here we go. All right. So you live in Detroit Rock City. What's your favorite band? Uh, Brandy Carlisle is my favorite uh, musician and her band is awesome. Uh, what, do you, what do you know now that you wish you'd known as a child growing up with CF? Wow. Um, I think more so about, uh, wait, where am I at? 10 seconds? Uh, <laughs> that exercise is super, super important and don't stop when you're a teenager. Keep going. What's the most beautiful place you've biked through? Well, I want to say Ohio, but uh, Paris. Paris, France. Through the course of your advocacy work, what have you discovered to be the most common misunderstanding about CF? Uh, people still think that it's a childhood disease, so they're in shock when they see me in my mid thirties. Um, so yeah, we're go we're going in the right direction with uh, survival. And how many people are going to run in the Rock CF Rivers Half Marathon in twenty nineteen? Will it be another record breaking event? It will be. I think we'll be at uh, twenty six hundred people. Wow, that's incredible. I wanted to say thousand, but. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 2,600 though is a ton. That's fantastic. Yeah, right, I'm pumped. Cool. All right, Emily, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan.